Welcome everyone to a special U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials version of Let's Run.com's Track Talk podcast. What a show we have for you today. February 29th only comes once every four years, as does the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. We're going to talk all about that for most of today's show. There are a few other things we're going to talk about as well. Tokyo Marathon, a couple of world records were set last week, etc. But before we get to that, let's do a sponsor plug. All month long, Hoka One One has been sponsoring, a huge sponsor of Let's Run.com, and it's been a lot of fun. There's so many amazing stories associated with these U.S. Olympic marathon trials. How in the world can we figure out who to focus on? Well, if somebody wants to pay us to focus on them, we're happy to oblige. And we found some really cool stories. It's Honestly, Hoka, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. And we're going to have even a few more after the trials are over. But Hoka, I also want to tell you, if you're listening, Mr. or Mrs. Hoka, your sponsorship is working. My wife has purchased a pair of Hoka One Onis. They showed up in the mail. She was all excited. It was like a kid at Christmas. They're very sweet looking shoes. I was like, how did you know to buy those? She's like, well, everyone wears Hoka's. I'm like, really? She's like, well, you do. And you know, you know running, right? And I was like, wow. So I think she actually said she did know that you were a sponsor of the website. So she's got the Coca Carbon X's. She wore them on the treadmill. Said She honestly said it felt like I was running on air. So she's a huge fan. Wait, your wife bought Carbon X's. Yeah, I did tell her to tell her. Isn't it like kind of like a racing shoe? But hey, man. And if you leave the review. No, it's meant to be all around, I think. But I'm shocked. That's the shoe she bought. In the heart of Under Armour country, no less. She said there was another shoe she wanted more, but it was sold out. She goes on looks. So, uh, but if you actually read, folks, she did not know, though, about another sponsor of the shoe, the Let's Run.com shoe site. If you need a shoe review, if you need the best prices on the shoe, go to Let's Run.com slash shoes, and you can see the reviews. One of the reviews on there, folks, of the, of the Carbon X does talk about how amazing it feels. So this is someone who runs on a treadmill like my wife. So it's not just a racing shoe. A lot of women are loving it, apparently. So anyways, check out the shoe site. Buy a pair of Hoka's. Everybody everybody wins. I think I forgot to introduce myself. I was so excited about the show. This is Electron.com co-founder Robert Johnson. You just heard from my twin brother, Weldon Johnson. And we're always joined by a staff writer, Jonathan Galt. We're going to break down the week's worth of news. Robert, you are excited about the Olympic trials because a few days ago you seemed pretty disappointed. We were talking on the phone. You said you weren't even going to watch them. Why are we doing this? You seem to have turned it around or feel and sound energized. I am energized. John, it is true. John was giving me a hard time for several days because I said, thank God I don't have to waste two and a half hours watching the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. Now, folks, I only said that because I will be broadcasting on ESPN Plus at the Ivy League Indoor Track and Field Championships from historic Barton Hall this weekend. So check that out. I'll be on all weekend, starting around noon, several, five, six hours both days. So, I, I, John, I realize now I was just acting like my two-year-old. I was like, I didn't want to admit that I was really excited about the trials, and I'm going to have to be watching it, like streaming it on an iPad sort of as I watch the indoor track action at the same time. So it was kind of like a little kid, like, no, I don't like that when you really – You do love it. You're just trying to convince yourself to avoid FOMO. And fortunately, there's not going to be any FOMO for me. Weldon and I, we're actually going to Atlanta. We're not going there to watch the trials, though. We're just getting together to watch Brighton versus Crystal Palace in the Premier League, which is clearly the preeminent sporting event of the weekend. This is so exciting. If anyone in Atlanta knows of like a sports bar open at 730, maybe we should just have like a blowout party. This is the day of the trials, though? Morning of the trials. Ooh, we can't have too much fun before the trials, but... 
Oh, this could be an epic day. But the Olympic Marathon Trials, my favorite event. It's the birthplace of Let's Run.com. There would be no Let's Run.com without the Olympic Trials in 2000. I quit my job to train for them and was bored. And I said, hey, the web needs a running website for the serious runner. And little little Let's Run.com was born. And I don't think it doesn't get any better than the trials. Only every four years. The marathon trials, you got so many people. We have 200 plus on the men's side, 400 plus on the women's side. And who knows how many of them think they got a shot at the Olympics. It's, it's like the American dream. It's fantastic. Now, you mentioned the 2000 trials. Well, then it's interesting. We had an article discussing Jim Walmsley and his chances at this year's trials. And you guys linked to your experience of the 2000 trials. And I was poking around and this is in the early days of the internet. And you know, it was pretty crazy stuff to read. And you were talking about how you had a 45 person fan club out in the course in Pittsburgh and you're all wearing team. We and let's run.com t-shirts. And then I decided I'm going to click around here and see what else, what other kind of coverage you guys had from the trials. And there was a link that worked still to the press conference recap. And I clicked on it and I I couldn't believe my eyes. In all capitals, the headline is Williams hasn't slept with his wife in five months. And this is something Todd Williams apparently admitted to in the pre-race press conference. It wasn't clear if he meant he hasn't slept in the same room with her or he actually hasn't had sex with her. Do, Do we have any clarification on this? How did this thing even come up? Was he sleeping in like an altitude tent? I think his wife was pregnant or something. I'm not sure what the deal was, but John, that just shows. Let's run.com, tabloid journalism 20 years ago then, just as now. We're still at the top, baby. Still at the top. All right. We can't bore our visitors too much talking about the 2000 trials, our young visitors, but there is one thing consistent between the 2000 trials and the 2020 trials, and that's Abdi Abdurrahman. He will be competing in both of them. Trying to make his fifth Olympic team. He made the 2,000 trials in the 10K, but that's pretty nuts. Before we move on, though, can I give out some free coaching advice to people? John, you talked about the fan club. We had a private area of Let's Run. It was called Team Weijo members only. You had to have a password. We had, Walden had 45 friends and fans at the trials because no one could believe he actually made the Olympic trials when he sucked in college. And the night before the race, John, do you realize that we had a keg party? And with like my mom and dad were there and stuff. And then we put Weldon up and he did a keg stand, like a fake keg stand, but it wasn't a good idea. So folks, if you're excited to be at the trials, do something low key the night before the race. Don't get a lot of people there, either these trials or the track trials. I'm still very, very upset about the 2000 track trials. John Kellogg told me that Weldon had like a 50% chance of making the team. I was so excited because John's a pessimist. That meant like a hundred percent to me. And Weldon ended up being lapped. But folks, we're going to link to these show, on the show notes. We'll give you some links from the 2000 coverage we had back in the day. Fascinating stuff. And shout out to Matt Taylor, the founder of Tracksmith. That party was hosted at his house. So kids, you don't know where you'll end up in 20 years, but keep dreaming. Well, I don't think any of the top pros really had to worry about not doing keg stands the night before the race. I don't think that was on any of their dockets. Uh, and we'll get to a big preview of the 2020 trials. Uh, in a little bit, but first, there is some news from this most recent week that we should address. The half marathon world record was broken at the RAK half, and everyone expected it would be Bridget Cosguy. She had 
been on a tear. She didn't win, lose any races in 2019. She broke the world record in the marathon. But instead, it was Ababel Yashane. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Who was actually the runner-up in Chicago when Cosguy broke the marathon world record. She turned the tables on Cosguy at RAK and won in a world record of 64.31. Cosguy was second in 64.49. And she was two seconds under the old record, but she didn't get the record because she didn't win the race. So pretty crazy there. I mean, were you guys as shocked about this result as I was? Certainly I was shocked by the name of the new world record holder, but I wasn't shocked by the world record, John. To be honest, the the world record, I expected the world record to fall on the women's side. The thing that most excited, honestly, the, the world record that excited me the most was the women's triple jump world record from last week. Yulamar Rojas, is that how you say it, John? She got the triple jump world record. And what I loved about this was the excitement. The moment she hit the sand, A, she went nuts. And B, the Spanish announcer went nuts. He showed great enthusiasm. He knew what he witnessed. And it made it so much more exciting to see them react, both the athlete and announcer. As a broadcast journalist, I realized part of my job is to provide entertainment and excitement. And what drives me nuts, I'm watching this indoor tours, like particularly Milrose, like an American record would be set. It would take them so long to realize an American record would be set and there wouldn't be that much excitement. So anyways, that's my record rant. I I did see that video, Robert. It was awesome. But my theory on the jumps, and it's pretty much triple jump for sure, pole vault as well. They're way more impressive when you watch them in slow motion. There was a video, slow-mo video of, Rojas doing her triple jump world record that I saw on Twitter and it just looks like she's levitating for half of it I mean you really get an appreciation for how far 15.43 meters is when you see it broken down like that and this is my platform we need more slow motion jump replays on broadcasts make sure that they're there for the Olympics because it really captures how insane what these athletes are doing there you have it triple jump expertise from Jonathan Galton now Jonathan lives with the triple jump Olympic trials Hopeful. Hopeful. There we go, John. Nothing nothing is outside his area of expertise. Two quick things on these world record. One, yes, Ababel Yashani. I wouldn't have known the name. I mean, pretty shocking that she beat Bridget Koskai. I mean, she was second last year in Chicago, but she was so far back. And the other thing, Robert's onto something. The presentation of these meets on TV is very important. I saw the world feed of the Madrid meet on the Olympic Channel. And it just starts, and they're like coming out for the 400 meters. There's one announcer trying to do the whole thing. Some random person watching this, it's not good. You need some introduction about what you're going to see, some buildup, that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you know, why not just show like a high school meet or something on TV? Folks, and that's the perfect intro to another sponsor plug. If you need to reach Let'sRun.com, pick up the phone, 844-538-7786, 844-LET'S-RUN. If you hit extension three, you can hit my cell phone. If you're a TV executive and need an announcer, hey, yours truly right here. But also, one thing I forgot to, po- to, to plug was we dropped another podcast, a special podcast yesterday with the Hokey Oni Oni NAZ Elite Pros. All six of them, we talk about their Olympic chances, how the training block's gone, the inside scoop on the six best Hoka chances for the Olympic team. So it's fascinating stuff. Take a look at the podcast that we dropped Last night. Whoa, Robert, you're, you're going to upset some Jim Walmsley fans. The way you said that, you said the six best chances for the team. 
I assume you're going to say Jim Walmsley has a better chance than Sid Vaughn at the Olympics? Get into that later. I stand corrected. I think Jim's chances are higher than Sid Vaughn's. You are, you are correct. But, John, before we get to the Olympic trials, I think there is a world marathon major that will be taking place Saturday night in the U.S. So right after you watch the Olympic trials and you have so much fun, you think, ah, oh, I wish there was more track and field. That was so amazing. Guess what? You can go home that night and watch the first world marathon major of the year. Tell us. The listeners, what can they look forward to? Yes, Robert, it's the Tokyo Marathon. It's going to be quite interesting because there's no mass race that's been canceled due to the coronavirus. So it's just the elite fields. And the men's race is very interesting for a couple of reasons. One, you've got the battle for the win. So there's Bahanu Lugese, who's the reigning champion. He ran 202.48 in Berlin last year. There's Gatan Mola, who is the Dubai course record holder from last year. He ran 203.34, and that was his marathon debut, the fastest debut in history. You've got Dixon Chumba and Haile Lemu Bahanu, who have also won World Marathon Majors. You've got Titus Akiru, who set the course record in Honolulu last year, 208 flat on that course, which is a pretty hilly, tough course. But then for the Japanese fans, the storyline is the top Japanese honors and will anyone break the Japanese record? Because as you recall, at the Japanese Olympic trials back in September, the top two finishers were guaranteed a spot at the Olympics. But the third placer, that was only a provisional spot. If someone breaks the national record, they would bump the third placer, which was Seguru Osako, coached by Pete Julian, off the team. And so a lot of Japanese guys are lining up in this race, trying to break the national record of 205.50, which is held by Osako from Chicago in 2018. If one of them does that, they will take Osako's place on the team. Any other scenario, Osako keeps it. And of course, Osako is running the race himself to sort of fight these guys because if he breaks the record and, and beats all of them then he'll keep his spot on the team so i think it's really fascinating and the one guy you really have to watch for is yuta shitara he was the previous national record holder remember at the trials he went out crazy hard and tried to break everyone didn't work and he's also been saying to media that even if he breaks the record he might not take the spot on the team i think he said it, only if he runs 204 would he feel like he earned the spot on the team and has a chance to really compete for a medal in Sapporo. So I think that's going to be fascinating seeing Shitara and some of these other Japanese guys go for broke and trying to break this record. Shitara's mindset is just crazy nuts. Dude, if you break the Japanese record, national record, you deserve to be on the Olympic team. Take your spot, especially at the Olympics in Japan. I mean, this thing is crazy. If he runs 205, 20, he's not going to take the spot. He'd be Jap Japan's best marathoner. You're short. You're leaving your country short. So, but hey, there's, you guys getting all the headline alerts? There may be no Tokyo Olympics. I don't even like saying it. I feel like it's a little bit alarmist now, but Dick Pound dropping the news yesterday that the IOC is talking what happens if coronavirus goes nuts. Well, when I start getting New York's New York Times alerts saying you need to take the coronavirus serious, I start taking it seriously. And I don't know. I don't think the Olympics will be canceled. We do see... Every four years, there's always a panic, whether it was, you know, Zika virus or London, they were worried about terrorist things or, you know, Beijing, it was the smog. There's always some issue, but am I, am I a little worried? Yeah, I'm starting to get a little worried. This thing had better not be canceled, damn it. I missed the Rio Olympics because of Zika. I was going to become a father. Someone at Johns Hopkins told me not to go. It wasn't worth the risk. And now we're spacing out our children perfectly. I don't, we're not having a child this summer so that I can go. 
I don't need to postpone for another year. This is wrong. Wait, is this? A, are you guys having another kid? This is an announcement. I mean, I don't know. My mom doesn't usually listen into the podcast, but my wife was sort of asking me, "Is this a formal announcement?" We would like to have another child, but just at appropriate time. Anyway, right, International Olympic Committee, if you're listening in, we need to be respective of Robert's family planning choices. Please don't cancel the Olympics. I have started a thread, folks. I want to keep talking a little bit about Japan before the Tokyo Marathon, before we go to Olympic trials. But John brought it up a little bit out of order, but it's okay, John. I've started a thread. Like, so if these Olympics are postponed, this is dead. I'm dead serious about this. I think the most likely scenario is they're not going to cancel the Olympics. Tokyo has spent way too much money. So imagine they would postpone them a year to, we'd have the 2020 Olympics in 2021. And the question I have is if we pick an Olympic team this weekend, shouldn't we rehold the trials a year from now? I, the answer to me is definitely yes, particularly for the track trials. You don't tell me, Oh, someone made the team. And then we redo the trial. We redo the trials. We pick a new team. So, Yes or no? Well, the track trials, yes. You definitely hold them again because someone's track form, can, I guess someone's marathon form can also be wildly different, but like marathon, there's such a big time between races. You don't totally know, you know, if someone could run really great in February, it doesn't mean they're going to be great in August. But the track trials, if someone runs great in Jul- June or July, they're probably still going to be pretty great in August. So I agree, you repick the track team. I think everything, for all four years, like they don't have a world championship trials usa trials that really matter for the marathon everyone pours everything they have into the olympic trials four years out i i just don't think it would be fair to hold another trials one year later have everyone pass out up spring marathon opportunities making money i think you have to honor the results of the 2020 trials i think this is a ridiculous scenario i don't think the olympics are going to get postponed but yeah can we can we not waste our time talking about this dick pound yesterday came out said they're either most likely having them or canceling them. They're not going to get postponed. you got the world championships already scheduled. I mean, like, it doesn't work to postpone them a year. I think it's an interesting thought experiment, though, Well, then, What would you say? Say that does happen. What would you like to see? Are you kidding? So, then at least Tokyo would get the 2024 Olympics. You think Tokyo is going to spend $10 billion and get no Olympics? Well, you think Paris is just going to pass it up and be like, we're fine with this? They're just going to bump everybody back? You just move everything back four years. They, look, in my opinion, this is the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. If the race isn't held in 2021, you need a new trials. Before we get to the marathon trials, we've already basically gone there. But I briefly should mention who's in the women's field in Tokyo. We don't want to get any sexism charges that Jonathan always gets labeled at us. He yet again started with the men's trials, with the men's talk. But women's race in Tokyo is not a race for the Olympic team. That is over. But Rudy Aga, the defending champion, 218.34 PB, who was third in New York, will be racing Berhane Dababa, who ran 218 last year in Valencia. So I actually think there's also a number of Kenyans. Remember, it's a number of Kenyans that are all sort of either on the Kenyan team or alternates to the Kenyan team, which is so idiotic because Athletics Kenya should not have already made their team. But one last marathon thing before we get to the trials. John had this, and John's got an excellent article up on the website. I loved it on the vapor flies and the impact of the trials. But... In the history of the marathon, no, 14 men had never broken 208 in the same marathon. That happened in Dubai, and it happened again last week in Seville. So already twice in one year, it's happened because of the Super Shoes. And what impact will the Super Shoes have in the U.S. Olympic Marathon trials? John, how should we start our trials talk now? Well, I don't, I tell you, I really don't want to start with the shoes because I'm all talked out about the shoes. Maybe we get to that later or we put it at the very end. I don't know. I would say 
let's just start with the men's race. And I think to me, the uh, uh, pre- I, I knew John. I knew John was going to say start with the men's race. John, you failed again, folks. John, you wonder why you're single. There's women listening to this podcast. They want to. They want to hear you say, oh, let's, "Let's let's be a feminist. Let's support our cause." John, let's start with the women's race. And in many ways, it's more interesting because we have the big five there. We've labeled them the big five and say huddle sisson you're not allowed to use the word big just kidding go ahead who's the big five john yeah i just love this robert is like pounding trying to act like he's pounding the drum for feminism and you know is the big believer in women's rights and then he can't even name the top women in the olympic marathon trials field so here it is robert the big five, I would say, is Jordan Desai, Emily Sissa, Molly Huddle, Des Linden, and Sarah Hall. And I think based on what these women have done in the marathon, it's pretty hard to argue anyone else should sort of be considered as a favorite over them. Do you do you think that the marathon team comes from three of those five women, or are we going to see someone else from outside that group break, up, break them up? I've got someone from outside the group making the team. We're going to be putting people on the spot on this podcast, folks. Jonathan, me, and Weldon will be forced to make our top three predictions. Weldon says he's not going to do it, but I'm going to make him do it. I've been thinking about the big five, the big four we have on the men's side. I think it's disrespectful. I, 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 I just, you know, now that Flanagan's out, now that Amy Craig are out, we originally had like a big seven, and I could see that. But now we have a big five, and I just, to me, I don't think Sarah Hall belongs in this list as a big five. I mean, it, 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 John keeps wanting to shove Sarah Death Hall down my throat and pump her chance, you know, talk about how great her chances are. But I, I'm just not that impressed by her marathon resume. John, are you aware of the fact that Sarah Hall has absolutely bombed three of her last four marathons? Here's what she's done since the start of 2018. 226.20 in Ottawa. Okay, pretty good, but not good enough to make the team. DNF in Frankfurt. 235 in Boston. That's pretty terrible. 226 in Berlin. That's really good. And then DF, DNF in New York. So that's two DNFs and a 235. Whoa, Robert, 226. She ran a 222 in Berlin. She ran 226 in Ottawa in 2018 and 222 in Berlin this year, yes. Yeah, you said 226. So everyone needs to know. She ran 222. That's the fastest time by an American in the marathon last year. Or yes, it was. And he look he, the, here's the point of it. Well, Ro, Weldon and Robert, until she ran that two twenty two in Berlin, Sarah Hall was not really. I did not consider her a legitimate contender to make this team. I I thought the same exact thing as you. Two twenty six. That's not going to get it done. She's making some decent progress, but two twenty two changes the game. How many other women in this field have run two twenty two? Jordan Hesay. Des Linden on the fast year and the aided, you know, the wind aided year in Boston. That's it. I mean, 222, you don't just fluke your way to a 222. 222 is 222. It's a really fast time. And I think that alone says she has to be considered as one of the favorites. This race, it's not like this was from four or five years ago. This race was in September. John, Berlin, I've never been to watch the race, but is it? Really hilly there? I don't know. You seem to be more of an expert on me. And I think Berlin's actually pancake flat. This is an absolute double standard. You guys are willing to basically put Leonard Correa on the team because he ran 207 on Amsterdam and finished 11th, some super fast course. Yet 222, which is, you know, that's basically like for a, for a woman, that might even be faster than 207. 
And you guys are just saying, no, no, it was a super fast course. It doesn't matter. It, this is an absurd double standard, Robert. Okay. Well, the other Hilly Marathon, she, she, she DNF New York and then she ran Boston. She was 235. So I'm very worried about her ability to do it on the hills. Now, the positive side is she did all this not wearing the vapor flies, which is pretty impressive. So, shit, we give her a pair of vapor flies. John probably claims she's a sub-220 woman. But for me, she ran in a prototype shooter under 222, so I think it shows. Maybe she responds very well to these shoes. That's the thing. There's no carbon fiber talk about shoe. shoe. It's still a prototype shoe. The whole thing now with these higher stack height shoes is some people are responders, some people aren't. So maybe she's a huge responder. There's a whole nother... We can get to the shoes at the end, but this just brings another equation. Maybe she's a super responder to the shoes in each type of shoe. Some of the Nike guys say they may not wear the new shoe because they like the old one better. It would be kind of ironic if Nike's new shoe sucks, but or it could be this. maybe you, some people respond to one shoe and not the other. I mean, this whole thing is kind of becoming crazy. Well, what I know is I spoke to Ryan Hall, who is a husband, 204 marathoner, and coach, and he was saying that her buildup has been phenomenal. He was really confident. She's been crushing her workouts. He just thinks, you know, she's absolutely ready to go and she's running, you know, a lot of really impressive stuff. So uh, will she make the team? Will that be enough to make the team? It might not be because this woman's feels really good, but I think she absolutely deserves to be in that top five group over someone like Sally Kipiego, Robert, who you're just hanging on to these accomplishments she achieved years ago and suggesting that, this is Sally Kipiego lost by three minutes to Sarah Hall in Berlin five months ago. And you're coming out and saying, oh, she has to be on the team because, you know, she's an Olympic silver medalist and she was second in New York in 2016. I mean, hello. What has she done for me lately, Robert? John, repeat after me. Talent does not go away. This is a woman that has a 1435,000 PR. That's faster than anybody in America has ever run. Olympic silver. I mean, she's coming back from maternity leave. Now, John, I'm not sure if She's I knew not that. Coming back, Robert, she had her baby in j- the summer of 2017. She is well past maternity leave. You can't use that as an excuse anymore. Once again, John telling us how long a woman's allowed to come back from maternity leave. <laughs> Thank you, Alden. But okay, I'm a little bit worried now. I, I don't. I don't think I knew, or maybe I glanced over. I didn't realize that John himself spoke to Ryan Hall. The way John described that conversation was a little scary to me. And if she runs a 2:22 equivalent type performance that probably does make the team i look i would love for sarah hall to make the team i mean that would be amazing I mean, it really would be i mean i think she's an amazing story they've adopted four children from ethiopia she's getting better in her mid-30s it's very inspiring but i'm just i don't know she's had a 25 percent success rate in her last four marathons but if he says her training's been going amazing and remember she has that half marathon in Houston, where she beat all the other Americans about you know five or six weeks ago, so uh, you know I, I think that it'll be interesting. But let's talk about the big names. I mean, uh, to me, I, I think are we in agreement, the three of us, that Emily Sisson and Jordan Hesse are both going to make this team? Yeah, I mean Hesse is the one I'm kind of worried about, just because you know we saw she she tore a hamstring in Chicago, and that wasn't very long ago, and. You know, all indications are that she's been training well, that her build-up's gone pretty well, that she should be fit. And, you know, I think if she's fit and what she's done in her first three marathons that she's finished, yes, she'll make the team. But I do think that's that to ignore that concern would be, say it's not a concern at all, would be foolish. Sisson, I think we all agreed we were most confident that she would make the team. 
I feel very good about her chances. Her build-up sounds like it's gone amazing, to, according to her coach, Ray Tracy. She ran 223.08 in her debut in London in April. So I, I do feel, I'm picking both of those women to make the team, and to me, it's a question of who's the third person. Wow, you guys are just giving away Olympic spots. But even this whole thing, Sisson ran 223. Sarah Hall ran 222. I think 222 is faster. And you guys are just like, Sisson's a lock. Well, Sisson's run much better at shorter distances. And I think I think if you put... I mean, she, to me, just strikes her as, me as a natural marathoner. You put her in Berlin in the fall, I think she could run... I think she beat Sarah Hall. I mean, Weldon, are you saying... Who, who are you picking? Are you disagreeing with our point? Are you saying that Sisson and Hase won't be on the team? I don't know why. I'm, I'm not feeling as confident about Hase for some reason. She... I mean, in Chicago, she talked a big, big game. But usually with her beforehand, if she's not ready to run, you sort of hear stuff. Uh, I didn't hear anything before Chicago, but with the whole Alberto thing, I think she wasn't talking much. But the one year she dropped out of Boston, everyone's like, she's dropping out. Like People in the forums are like, she's dropping out. And sure enough, she dropped out. So I, I guess she's ready, but like her coach has changed. Her training environment's changed. So... She was injured, obviously, very seriously in Chicago. So I don't think she's as much of a lock. If, if there's some concerns about your fitness or health, I don't think you can just put someone on the team. Yeah, no, I'm and look, I'm not saying that anyone is a lock. I think this field is so deep that, you know, I, I but I do think it will be three of the five that we discussed. I think Huddle, Hall, Sisson, Linden, or Hussey. And that's interesting. Like, I would say overall, would you guys say the field's deeper on the women's side? Because I, I was doing some graphics and stuff yesterday. I was going like 10 deep because we haven't even mentioned her name. There again, John does not mention Kellen Taylor. Kellen Taylor never gets mentioned, but she's run 224. She was fourth of the last track trials in the 10K, sixth in the, in the marathon trials, and took the lead in that race, ran with the leaders, ran like someone who looked like an Olympian. And that mentality, I think, means something. She's in this field. Alephine Tillamook, nine-time U.S. champion. Emma Bates who sort of has really revitalized her career since going back to Idaho and, you know, leaving the BAA, essentially, going back to home and finding out what works for her. Um, is Sally Kipiego, she's not in your top five, is, or is she the fifth? No, she's not in my top five. You know, Stephanie Bruce, who's on the podcast as well, I talked to her, two-time national champion. She She really hasn't figured out the marathon. So the question is, like, well, you still got to figure out the marathon. Why at the age of 36 would you finally figure it out? But Sarah Hall figured it out. And I think the one unique thing with Stephanie is like she has all these intestinal issues, but she's like hired a personal chef to come prepare food for her. So I don't know if one of these things can work. But the women's side, I feel like there's a lot of guys from 210 to 212. And the women, though, I feel like even though the times vary anywhere from like 221 to 224, 225 with some of these, I just feel like it's, it's deeper. It's it's weird. I I agree with Weldon. It seemed like there was more contenders. I think there, on the men women's side, I think what he's saying is like it just feels like there's like a legit seven or eight people you can really see making the team. Whereas on the men, there's sort of a big four and then a much bigger drop off. But the stats don't show that. I mean, if you look at the third seed on the women's side, um, two twenty three oh eight, which would be uh, Emily Sisson, there's only like three women within three minutes of that. But you go to the men's side and you go down to the third seat at 209 low. Um, there's 
you got to go all the way down to number 19 seed. So there's like 16, 15, 16 men within three minutes of the third seed on the men's side. So it's kind of interesting. I, I agree with the sentiment Walden's saying, but the stats don't back that up. Well, yeah, I think what the what I would say is after the top five on the women's side, if if one of them doesn't make it, there are about five women who I think could, and then that's about it. Whereas on the men's side, say like two of the top four, which is Farble Ward, Der- uh, Farble Ward, Korea, and Rupp, if w- two of those don't make it, I think there's probably 10 to 15 guys who have a shot at the team. So I think there's more guys who are in there going to go in thinking, hey, I can make it or if something breaks right, whereas the women, you know, it's not quite as deep that way. Good point, John. I, I think that now some women may be upset with this, Women's running is not nearly as deep as men. I know there's 500 trials qualifiers and only 250 men's qualifiers, but at the top, there's always a bigger discrepancy in the talent between first and say 15th than on the on the, on the than on the men's side. You know, John, imagine the big four on the men's side. Imagine, let's say all four of the big four, all of the 209 guys and faster, all of them bomb this race for some reason. My God, I think you could go all the way down to like the 30th seed to find people making the Olympic team. Whereas in the women, if you're not seated in the top 10 or 12, no chance in hell are you making this team. All right, guys, put up or shut up. I want your picks for top three. Robert, I'll start with you. Well done. When I come to you, you better have an answer. Top three, Jordan Hussey, Emily Sisson. And then I went with a wild card a few weeks ago for podium runner. I picked Sally Kipiego. I'd like to have, can I pick two people here, John, for the third spot? I just want oh. someone that was born in Kenya. Sally Kipiego or Alephine Tulamuk? Tulamuk is my real wild card here. I, I, when I talked to her, I, I interviewed her for the podcast yesterday. I, it was, uh, and I also talked to, um, to, um, Kaylin Taylor. Kaylin Taylor told me that Alephine dropped them on a 15 mile steady state on February 15th. And Alephine says, yeah, you know, I really like the course. It seems like when we're going up a hill, I'm not tired. Everyone else is slowing down. So that to me was the wild card. So can I take both them, John? No, pick one of them. Hase, Hase, Hall, and then my Kenyan American. Wait, Hall? You said Sisson. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Hase, Sisson, and then one of my Kenyan Americans. Which one? They're not a collective, Robert. They're individual athletes. Please choose one of them. I've changed, I'm changing my pick. Hoka, this one's for you, baby. Thank you for the sponsorship, Alephine. It's going to be a great story when you make that Olympic team. I hope you're dancing country music with your boyfriend. All right, Robert tried to pick about five people for the team. Well done. Your top three, go. I need a plug first for the $20,000 20, $20 you can win. Running Warehouse Marathon Trials Hoka Oni Oni Prediction Contest is here. Get your picks in. You pick your top five on the men, top five on the women. If you know nothing about it, we have like the list of their times. It's easy to do. We score it. The winners get running warehouse gift certificates and Hoka shoes. So get that in. So my picks are not you're not picks are not not official until you put them in the contest. So these picks can change. Interesting. So Robert talked to Kellen Taylor and pick, didn't pick her because I feel like her or a Dez are sort of gritty runners, and those are the ones I like. Robert, tell me a little more about what Kellen said. Anything offline? Not on the podcast. She, she said that the, the, the first, it's a, if you view it as like a 12-week buildup, the first five to six weeks were kind of chaotic. She was taking care of an infant with very limited sleep for four or five weeks, but she's hit every workout. Um, some workouts are better than the past, some a little bit worse, but, but overall she feels that she's ready to go. I can actually read a few direct quotes for you here. 
Here's what she told me. There wasn't a workout that I didn't hit. I hit everything. But life was certain maybe a little bit more busy than normal. But like I said, everything went well. There's no reason to go out on Saturday and not think I'm just as prepared, if not more prepared, than anyone else that is on the line. If I were going to compare it to my other segments, I'd say I'd be right in line with anything else I've done. Maybe a few things are better. Maybe a few things were not quite as good. But as a whole, it was certainly a good two months. Now, that makes me a little bit nervous only in the sense of, uh, John, will you agree with me in the sense of if she runs what she's run in the past, that's not good enough to make this team? That's my biggest concern with her is I look at all these other women. I see Sarah Hall. She's run 222. You know, Des Linden. She's been top five in a bunch of major marathons. Emily Sisson. She's run 223. Molly Huddle. She's done crazy stuff on the track. She did beat Des Linden in New York in 2018. I mean, all these top – say she's run 220. I mean, all these women, I say, if she runs her best race, she's, that's going to put her on the team. Whereas Kellen Taylor, uh, she just hasn't run a marathon like that yet to me. And maybe she will at the trials. But if she does what she's done in the past, I agree with you. She's not going to make the team. Weldon seems to be analyzing all in his head, strangely silent. Let me share another clip, folks, with you, Weldon. Maybe this will make you want to pick her because – you know, one of the things I was wondering when I heard about how she's fostering these children is how badly does she want to be an Olympian? I mean, it seems like you might not foster children if you were really focused. I mean, she admitted it wasn't good for her running. Now, she did tell me during the podcast from yesterday that you, you for, like, for the last six weeks, she told them, like, look, I can't have a child. We have to f- focus here. So you, she did put that on the back burner for the final six weeks. But let me play this clip. I asked her, hey, how big of a deal is it if you define if you make this Olympic team or not? Will you define yourself as an Olympian? Yes or no? And how different do you think it'll be if you end your if you end your career saying, "Hey, I was an Olympian," or you know, "I was an Olympian"? Like, will you define yourself that way? I mean, I think that I would personally. I know a lot of people say. I know staff is really big on saying like it won't define me. Um, like if she doesn't make a team or not, but I'm kind of different. I set very high standards for myself and I expect to achieve those things. So, you know, if I, if I did not make a team, I think that I would walk away disappointed in some ways, but still be proud of the things that I had done. Um, I think being an Olympian is kind of a career definer. You know, if you ask a random, if a random stranger asks you what you do, one of the first things they ask is, are you, Oh, did you go to the Olympics? Um, and right now I can be like, well, I was an alternate. That's fun. But it would be cool to be able to say, yeah, I did go to the Olympics. You know, I ran whatever. So there you have it. She's not afraid to admit it. Like to her, it's a deal breaker. You know, it's a career definer. If you make the Olympic team, it's a big, big deal. I love that quote. I love it. It shows you the drama we're having on Saturday for the rest of her life. For the rest of the life, three men, three women will be able to call themselves Olympians. Well, unless it's canceled like the 1980 games. This is tough. I don't know who I'm picking here. This women's field is just so, so hard, like as we discussed. It's just so different because it's not that deep after you go 8 or 10, but I feel like the first 10, you can easily justify anyone because even some of your names, like some people are pretty big names and they haven't run that fast in, in this qualifying window. Even someone like Des Linden or Molly Huddle's actually never run that fast of a marathon. Whew. And the Hungry Lion, that means being something. And Kellen Taylor's tough, and I feel like for this course, that's good. Okay, Sisson. What? Why do I have an X by Sally Kipiego's name? This is a terrible pick, Sally Kipiego. Then I also had an X by Des Linden's name. She's so tough, but I think Kellen Taylor can beat Des Linden. She almost beat her in New York. 
Can I can I do the hybrid pick there, like Robert? No, I don't. Know. What do you guys forget about this? Three people make the team. How is this so hard? Hybrid pick, baby. Hybrid pick. There's my picks right there. No, that's not a high. I want one of those two people. Well, then give me your team. Three people. Wait, wait, wait. John, didn't you speak to Des Linden or her coach this week and things maybe not have gone so well? Please give us any insight you have as having spoke to someone in the Linden camp. Yeah, I spoke to Walt Drenth and he basically said, you know, she had this virus a, co- a few weeks ago and it interrupted their training. They had to move some things around. It just was not ideal. And. I've heard that she's come around her last few workouts. She's hit pretty, she's hit exactly what she wanted to do. She seems to be good to go at this point, but you know, not a hundred percent smooth buildup, but she didn't have a hundred percent smooth buildup in boss in 2018. She won Boston off of it. So I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a, it's a concern, but I think she, she always comes out and delivers in these races. I can't ever remember her bombing a race, you know, so apart from, the DNF in London and she was was injured when she ran that Olympic marathon. So I, I trust that she'll run something pretty, pretty good on Saturday. Well then stop trying to skirt the question. Top three picks go. Okay. Lyndon's out because of that information. Thank you, John. So I got Sisson. Why am I keep picking Sally Kipiego? And I want to go with Taylor, but why does everyone assume Molly Huddle's not a good marathoner. She ran 226 in New York. That's a difficult course. And she beat Des Linden in that race. Yeah, like Huddle easily could make this team. She's a sort of gritty runner. Just because you're like, you win everything, that means you're not gritty anymore? Well, you know Huddle's been, no one's discounting her grit, but you know she's been battling an ankle injury in the early part of her buildup. She's basically, Ray Tracy has said she wasn't even able to work out with, with Emily Sisson because Sisson was further ahead and fitter than she was. No, I didn't know that. She's out. Kaylin Taylor on my team. What about Sarah Hall, Welton? You seem to love the Halls. No, once I get to the... We may have an emergency podcast after the press conference because I'll probably then just go chalk Jordan Hesse, Sarah Hall, and Emily Sisson. But until then, my Olympic team, Emily Sisson for the win, Sally Kipiego for second, Kaylin Taylor for third. No Jordan Hesse. Okay, thank you for finally reaching a verdict on that one. Wow. Well, then, this is Sarah Hall, who we have ties. We're, we're kind of biased in this. I didn't pick Sarah Hall either, but maybe I'm trying to overcompensate. But we interviewed Ryan Hall back when he was in high school in the early days of the website. But, John, this is not fair. You've taken our picks and then probably have analyzed it statistically to figure out what is the best picks to make you look better based on our picks. But you get to go last. Let's hear them. Okay. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, You guys made your picks after receiving all this information from me. You needed me to give you the information about, you know, I feel like if I just made my picks, you guys would copy what I said. So, Well, can we get the articles out so people can have this information? I mean, the point of a journalist isn't to hoard information so you can make your own picks. It's to spread the news to the people, the masses. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've noticed, well, I have more than one article I have to write this week. It takes a while to produce all this content. <laughs> That was my fault. Well, John told me to edit the women's the women's long shot article. He he wrote it yesterday. I was just too lazy to get to the editing process. Anyway, my picks for the team: Jordan to say Emily Sisson. I mean, this is obviously it's the, with the caveat that everything goes smoothly. But I think those two. I mean, Hase is the best marathoner in this field. I think if she's healthy, Sisson. I have a lot of confidence. Everything seems to be going well for her. And then I just like the reliability of Des. I mean. 
just show me a bad marathon she's run. She always she's not going to beat herself. She's going to run smart. This is a challenging technical course. I don't think she's going to make any mistakes. She'll pace herself correctly. There might be some big move in the last, te- you know, second half of the race, and someone goes with it when they really shouldn't. And De- if that happens, Des is going to be picking up the pieces. So I know that her buildup could have gone better, but I also think she knows what it takes to get to the start line. I've seen some people have been throwing out, well, she signed up for Boston as well. Is she even taking this seriously? I mean, I don't know. To me, that's a shot at late. Like, this is Des freaking Linden we're talking about. Like, I think she's going to show up and she's going to give you a great performance. So I trust the reliability of her. Does she have the upside of some of these women like Molly Huddle? Probably not, but I, I trust Lyndon. I think she's probably going to get that third spot. Disgusting. John did not disclose that he received a $50 tip from Des Linden earlier this year on the podcast. John didn't even t- he's the pure journalist. He didn't even take part in the Hoka takes on the trial sponsored coverage saying he doesn't do sponsored content yet. He takes a $50 tip a.k.a. bribe from an athlete, and then, of course, picks them on the team. But that's a reminder. There's a tip jar at the bottom of this podcast. You can give tips, and 100% of tips go to Jonathan Galt. If Des Lennon can give a $50 tip, think what you can give. You can subscribe like for a monthly tip, maybe like 5 bucks a month. That comes out to about 60 a year, people. Yeah, and if you're tipping, rate and review as well. Rating and reviewing our podcast is free. It helps spread the word. So please, if even if you're not going to tip, Give us a five-star rating and a positive review on iTunes. Okay, guys. Before we get to the men's breakdown, I have published a groundbreaking article on Let'sRun.com this morning. I have reached out to Let'sRun.com coaching and statistics guru John, John Kellogg, man with a master's degree in mathematics. And I said, John, I said I'm the course profile from Atlanta. I said, John, Please produce for me a mile-by-mile analysis of how much the hills will hurt or slow the runners. And he has produced an amazing piece of journalism. Folks, if you read one thing between between now and the start of this trials race, it needs to be this. You need to print this out if you're going to be out in the course, if you're not going to be carrying your phone, and have it with you. If you're a coach, if you're a runner, slide it into your pants because it's amazing how different every mile is based on the up and the down. Small story here, folks. Back in 2020, I tried to qualify for the Olympic Marathon Trials on a cheating course. You mean like a month ago? Excuse me. Back in 2000, I tried to qualify for the trials on a cheater's course. It was a net downhill Las Vegas course. The first eight miles were uphill, but the last, the next 10 were way downhill. And John had that elevation per, marked perfectly. He's like, look, 525 is the pace you needed to run. But he's like, you go out in 540. I'm like, 540? I'm not giving up 15 seconds the first mile and another 540 and another 540. He said, trust me, when you start coming downhill, it's all coming down. He could see saw the elevation chart. And my watch was dead on. His splits were accurate. It's, it's 2.4 seconds every 10 feet you're going up and 1.8 seconds every 10 feet you're going down. He has produced a document, folks. It's amazing. I, I guess y'all may not have seen it yet. I guess John edited it. Every single mile, I wasn't paying that much attention to the hills, the talk up until now. But now that I have this document, I am. Every single mile on this course, according to John Kellogg, is more than five seconds slow or fast, faster than a flat mile based on the hills. That's how much up and down there is. And every single mile is either more than five seconds slow or five seconds slow, you know, fast. So between miles five and six, 13 and 14, 
and 21 and 22, you're probably going to see 20-second mile differences because mile 5 is 12.4 seconds slow. Mile 6 is way downhill and 8.5 seconds fast. Really fascinating stuff. How will this impact the trial? Now, John thought it might benefit smaller runners. And I was trying to look up the heights and weights of some of these women. Emily Sisson, I was worried about her. I'm like, oh, but she's only 5'2", so that might be good for her. Yeah, it's going to be a tough course. I don't think any of these marathoners have seen anything like it, uh, in a marathon at least. Yeah, maybe cross-country, uh, you, you could see some similar courses to that. But I think it's going to be really interesting. And that, I think, Robert, wasn't there a – did you – was it you I heard this from? That at the very end of the race, you know, there's like a, either a steep downhill or a steep uphill, and someone was talking about you, know, you might see someone falling down because they're going to hit that so hard in the downhill. Or am I just making – where's that coming – do you guys remember seeing that somewhere? I didn't say that, but John's stats show it to be true because he's got from 26 miles to the finish is a net positive. It, it, it benefits a runner by four seconds and a quarter mile. That's pretty sick. So, John, why don't you give our listeners, assuming there's some listener that knows nothing about the trials, a brief overview of the men's field and how you how do you break it down into, into tiers? Yeah, so I think there's really... <laughs> It's basically two tiers, as I see it. There's one, one tier is the four favorites, which is Galen Rupp, Leonard Correa, Jared Ward, and Scott Farble. And then I think it's pretty much everyone else, because I don't think there's one guy that really stands out above the rest of them. But you got a lot is a diverse group of people. You know, you got Dathan Ritson, the old guy, which is Dathan Ritzenhain, Abdi Abdurrahman, Bernard Lagarde. You've got Shadrach Biwat, who had a lot of success early in this trial cycle. You remember he was fourth and third in Boston. He was fifth in New York, but that was all back in, you know, a couple of years ago. He hasn't really done anything great lately. You've got Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbleo from the Bowman Track Club. You've got Jake Riley, Jarrell Mock, or Gerald Mock, who ran 210 in Chicago last fall. You've got Connor McMillan from the BYU grad, who was fourth at USA's in the 10K last year. And he ran 212 and his really it was his marathon debut. You know, he ran one in college, but I'm calling that his debut. 212 for 10th place in New York last fall. And then you've got some total wild cards. Stanley Cabene, who was a world championship finalist in the steeplechase last year. He's never run a marathon, but he's run 6157 in the half. He's running this race. I don't even know what this guy's going to be capable of. Then you've got Jim Walmsley, course record holder at Western States. America's best ultra runner. He's never run an actual marathon. He's covered the marathon distance many times, but he's never raced a marathon. He's running it as well. So obviously some of the guys on that list have better chances than others. I think it's crazy that Abdi Abdurrahman is going for a fifth Olympic team and Bernard Lagarde's going for a sixth Olympic team at 45 years old. This is a guy who's run 326 for 1500. Is there anyone, I guess we'll get to the favorites in a minute. Is there anyone from that second group who really stands out to you guys? Well, you know me, John. When I see a Kenyan-American on that list, I love it. If you're born in Kenya, baby, you're on that USA Olympic marathon team. If I knew that Stanley Kebany was taking this race seriously and really trained hard for it, if, if we could get Scott Simmons of the American Distance Project to return John's calls, he never returns John's calls anymore. I don't know why. But if I could get – John, we just need to reach out to the athletes directly. Stanley, if you're listening to this, please give me a call. 844-LET'S-RUN. Hit extension 3. You'll be connected to my cell phone. Like – it wouldn't shock me to see somebody like that. I mean, I I think he's a, he's a, I don't know. I just feel like 
I, I, you know me, John. I love my Canadian Americans, but um, that would shock me a ton for Stanley Kevin to make the team because he's running sixty-one. What was this half sixty-one fifty half marathon? That wasn't a hilly Pittsburgh course that the U.S. champs last year. I'll give him that. But this guy, he was a training for the steeplechase. He was in the steeplechase world championship final last fall, and he's just going to come and make the Olympic marathon team. Sorry, this isn't nineteen sixty-eight. It's not George Young. Agreed, John. What place was he in that Pittsburgh half marathon? Second. It's pretty good. But everybody remember last trials? I forgot, and I've become a father since then. It's a boy. What happened, Weldon? Everybody remember Diego Estrada? I don't think he'd run a marathon, right? Everyone's like, oh, Diego Estrada this, Diego Estrada that. Did nothing. This type of course, you probably need some marathon experience or you're just naturally suited for it. The fact Kebane's taking a shot at it means something. Um... I think a guy that, that isn't getting much attention is Gerald Mock. Is that how you say it, John? Gerald, yep. I mean, he's run 28 low for 10K, and he debuted in the marathon in 210. Now, granted, that was in, he was unsponsored. He was a Nike athlete. Now he's with the BAA. This will be curious. I th- so I think he has to wear Adidas shoes, but I'm not sure Adidas shoe is up to snuff yet. Maybe it is. This is what's wrong with this whole debate. Maybe by the Olympics, we'll, we'll playing field and we can test these shoes, but we need testing done. At least so like the numbers are out there, what's fair or what's not. But 210 debut, that's very good. Well, Weldon, we actually don't even know if Mark's going to get the Adidas super shoe because he hasn't... I spoke to his coach, Art Seamus, on Monday, and he said at that point he still hadn't received the shoe. He was supposed to get it from Adidas uh, before the race, but they're not sure because of these factories closing down in China due to the coronavirus. A lot of these shoe companies have had to halt production. They haven't been able to get their products out. So we're still sort of waiting to find out if he'll have these shoes or not. But I also talked to Art about Mark's buildup, and he essentially said... You know, his workouts have been going well, but he's had this nagging Achilles injury really ever since he's got to college. And that could be an issue uh, with some of the hills. And he said normally he's a great hill runner, but it's sort of affected him a little bit. He's had to cut back one of you know, his long runs. And so he seems fit, but, you know, he basically was like, look, the buildup for Chicago was pretty much perfect. And this buildup was not perfect. And he, he also lost to Jake Riley in that race in Chicago. Okay, he's out. Take him out. Well, just anything, uh, any comment I t- hear from a coach, well, Robert, well, you just ignore anything you've said up to that point and just say, oh, this guy's out. He ran a very good time in a marathon, but 210 on a flat course. And this is a very hilly marathon and his buildup hasn't gone well. Like both those things aren't suiting well to this. Sounds like he's not ready to run, made to run hills. Gerald, if you're listening to this, have the Achilles surgery now. I don't have this hampering you for the next four years. Folks, the Adidas shoes, if he gets them, I'm confident in them. We need to remember Kibawat Candy. Last weekend, he won the RAK half in a pair of Adidas shoes. I think the super shoes are pretty close. Uh, John, uh, I am a little bit worried about me just hyping up Cabernet. I was doing some research while you guys were talking here. On the plus side, he was 35th at World Cross Country on the very hilly Aarhus course last year. For the USA, second at the U.S. Half Marathon Championships. But I didn't realize he was only eighth at the 5K Road Championships. I know it's only 5K, November 2nd. But then according to Telus Jopcha, he ran out of 25K in Kolkata on December 15th. Got absolutely smoked by four or five minutes. I'm, I'm now also seeing a message board thread that he just may be there to rabbit the race, which would be fascinating to me if he rabbits for his teammate, 
This was a theory that was floated to me by a coach uh, of someone in the trials was suggested that they that might that he was basically like, what is Cabene doing in this race? And I was like, I have no idea. And so I think it, that could be possible. Uh, we really don't know. All right, John, outside of the big four, which of these names impressed you? We haven't mentioned Princeton's Matt McDonald. I mean, this is crazy. This guy wasn't even that big of a, he wasn't a, I would not call him a star at Princeton. He's run 211-10 as the ninth seed. Who do you like? You know, I really, I like Abdi, I got to say. People, I mean, I've counted him out a million times, but he just ran 211-34. That's in New York in the fall. That's really good. And he, I know he's 43 years old, but this guy, he showed up and people counted out him out before the 2012 trials. He made the team. And I just think he's, you know, I, I like what he's done in the past. I know he's not that consistent. You know, if you look at some of his recent marathons, he's had some DNFs, he's had some bombs in there. But when he puts things together, I, I, I think, and he showed in New York, he's still got a chance. So I just like what, I, I really get tempted by Lagarde because I look at his, you know, I just look at him training out in Kenya and he's really taking this marathon thing seriously. And, you know, he ran 212 last summer. I guess that was a flat course compared to some of the no, John. crazy, but people are getting carried away. They're like, look, God, this guy always shows up at the trials. Look what he's done in the past. You know, I guess I'm just more confident in Abdi, but I think those guys are kind of intrigued by. John, you're still in your twenties, right? Don't pick a 45 year old. I mean, I guess you're picking a 43 year old, but Abdi's proven at the long distance. How in the hell is a 1500 meter runner going to, win do well in a marathon on a course that could serve as a world mountain marathon i mean a, a world mountain champs this thing is so hilly i, I don't think look got no way to me i mean I, I just don't see that happening but yeah imagine uh, i think we were saying this offline let's imagine for some reason you know galen rupp okay his achilles is not totally 100 it's hilly let's say he has a bad day Somehow, I don't know how this would happen because Ward's had a great buildup. Fobble's confident in his training. We haven't heard from Career, but haven't heard anything negative about him. But for some reason, imagine if all four of those big four blew up or had a bad day or dropped out. I mean, you'd have chaos picking this team. Yeah, which would be, and that's sort of, you know, it would be totally crazy. But I do think, yeah, I, I really think at least two of the top spots are going to come from that group of four. Probably, if if there's no issues, like no injuries or no sort of cramping or stomach problems among the top four, I really think all three spots go to that group. But, you know, if you have some issues, there's, so, there's such a wide array of people who can make the team, which which really makes for an exciting race. Like Ritz, are we just totally counting out Ritz at this point? He, he really hasn't been able to stay healthy for this entire Olympic cycle. I was about to go there, John. It's kind of crazy. John is like singing the praises of a 43-year-old guy who I beat in a race 17 years ago. I mean, like... that. Yeah, he also ran 2.11 in New York in November. And it's just nuts. Him or Lagat at that age doing that's crazy. But if Abby makes it, he'll be the first male, maybe female too, but first male for sure, track Olympian, five-time ever. No one's ever done it, which would be just absolutely crazy. Um, but I was going to say, Ritz, like everyone's selling him short. We had the, we've been having these trials discussions of the day and let's run. And he was sort of dismissed. And then, oh, then I see casually mentioned, oh, Ritz had the fastest time by an American in the half marathon last year. It's not like he hasn't been running well in the last couple of years. And it sounds like his buildup's gone well. So, like, why are we discounting him so much? Granted, he can't stay healthy. He hasn't, he hasn't run a good marathon in five years. That's true. 
his body is just not durable in this course, and you probably need to do a lot for it to get ready. So it is a big question mark. And the more I look at this course profile and the splits being changing 10 seconds a mile, this thing may be like nothing we've ever seen before. If you're going to be in Atlanta, this is going to be awesome. I want to see also like the best fans. We're talking about the 35-man contingent I had. I think we should have a special Let's Run.com prize for like the super fan who's like dressed up in like a gorilla outfit or something. Or like a clown outfit. It needs to be more creative than a gorilla outfit. We need some, you know, that's that's pretty tame, I would say. Some of those Tour de France things. What do people do? You know, like, I don't know. Wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Let me interrupt here. Walden said this course may not be, Ritz's body may not hold up on it. I just thought about this. Oh, my God. This course is going to be a dream for Ritz. Think about it. It's not a rhythm course. At all. Weldon, Weldon and I would be so bad about this course. Weldon would have dropped out of this course in the first 10 miles and be begging for a van to pick him up because he was a total rhythm runner. This is gonna, someone who's exceptional at cross country. Ritzenheim may have been the greatest U.S. cross country runner ever. I mean, I'll, I'll do apologies to Pat Porter um, or Craig Virgin. I apologize to both those guys, actually. Ritz, Ritz was a damn good cross country runner. He, he, he may thrive on this course. Oh, my God. I just thought about that. If you like the hills, you, we know that he doesn't have to be in a rhythm. Oh, and that's one reason to also like Kepany, my steeplechaser, John. He's used to not being in a rhythm. Ooh, I'm talking myself back into it. Yeah, I, I thought you'd be all over Ritz, Robert. I mean, talent doesn't go away, right? Look at all the things he's done in the marathon. I mean, he's run 207. He's done all this. He's run 60 flat and a half. I mean, he's only 37. Shouldn't he... Shouldn't he be on this team? Isn't he the Sally Kipiego of the the men's race? Again, for these guys, you know, seated between five and twenty, I, I think that it's hard to analyze. You can make a case for all of them, but I'm with you, John. The team, three of the four, three of the big four, are taking spots. Yeah, and let's get to that. Which of the four, you know, because I think we're in a similar situation with Hase on the women's on the Hase versus Rupp, right? But I think Rupp's a much much bigger lock and i'm also more confident about his health because i did talk to mike smith his coach and he was essentially saying not worried about the health we just saw him run a 61 19 half marathon he looked very smooth running that from the video brief video clip we saw admittedly i I think rup is a lock i just don't really see barring some really you know barring injury problems that doesn't seem like he's facing anymore how does he miss this team the course john is this course rup certified that was a knock on the Guy in college, he didn't run difficult courses. He liked to have flat, easy courses. I guess he's done well at the Boston Marathon. I think some of that's unfair. Since then, he's done pretty well in cross country, but he's never done a world cross, right? I don't think Galen's ever done a world cross country. So he's never done a New York. So I think you really think the course is such a big factor that it's going to prevent the reigning bronze medalist in the Olympics from making the team. I just don't see it. I don't think the course maybe it changes the times but look if he's fit he's fit that's not going to matter because he's running a few ups and downs but this course is so different and in talking to the hoka nazi guys i talked to them all at once i think it was scott smith he was saying like i've never seen a course like that he said the most comparable is new york he's like new york is up and down over the bridges it has some hills but like there's flat sections like you're in brooklyn it's flat for a while you're going up first ab it's pretty flat he's like this one is just constant one little hill after another it's just a different thing no one's no one's run on one like this it's true running it's beautiful there's a little more doubt maybe we're going to bring the 26.2 mile distance back into the marathon it's become like a time trial of sorts where all chalk you know the marathon's going more and more chalk it seems like you know the, the favorites win and maybe this course 
it's more like a 30 mile race. So or 28 mile race. So hopefully there's a little more variability. Robert, talk to some sense into your brother. Please tell him that the course is not going to prevent Galen Rupp from making this team. As long as Rupp done DNF, he's making this team. I mean, come on. When you're a 205 talent running 210 pace, isn't that hard? It's 10 seconds a mile slower than what you're used to running. It feels pretty comfortable. But I will point out, well, we need our Alberto Salazar segment of the week. When they turn into the park, it seems like the wind might be in their face. It's Salazar, Salazar, Salazar. Weldon mentioned, do we think I'll, I will pay $262 to the person that can find a photo of Alberto on the course in Atlanta, cheering it on. I would love to see a photo. $262 when it finds that. But folks, that's what I was wondering. Like Alberto's band. Yeah, I'm sure he can't go to like a track trials, but can he go to the streets of Atlanta? I mean, I feel like that's legal. This is America. He's got the right to be on the streets of Atlanta. We should do a podcast with Alberto live during the race. Let him commentate and shit. Oh my God, that would be so great. Alberto, the offer still stands. Yeah, I'm sure he'll, he'll go along with that. He'd love to do a podcast with us, live podcast. Someone did email us and ask us to, to do our own pod- broadcast. I apologize for not getting back to people on email, but that would be fine. But I'll be, again, broadcasting the Ivy League Network, Ivy League Championships, and ESPN+. Plus. So, folks, what you should do is you should turn on the Olympic trials, mute that, and listen to me talking about the Ivy League Championships until the race gets down to, you know, to halfway or something important happens. But one other thing we haven't talked about is the weather. The weather is going to be ideal, right? 47 degrees. The last time I checked, sunny. It's going to be perfect for running. Yeah, I really don't think we need to talk much about it. It's not going to have an impact on the race. It'll help make the times faster, though obviously the the championship style course and the course itself will slow them down. But it's I don't think the weather will have any impact on the race. Well, it's cooler weather, 43 with a high of 50 that day. And that forecast is, folks, not Jim Walmsley certified. Jim needed an 80-degree day to have a shot. We, we had an article up in Let's Run. Where do we view Jim placing? I think the three of us are in agreement. We all want him going out, going for broke, running with that lead pack for at least halfway, seeing what he can do, but we don't give him much of a shot in these type of conditions. Yeah, I think even just 10 degrees warmer would help him. But this is like perfect running weather almost. Low to you know, mid-40s, and so that's not helping him. He wants more help. But this course, the thing that's going to help Jim more than anything is I think it's the course. We just don't know about this course. Atlanta, we were there, and it was ended up being really hot, and that really blew people apart. You know, the, the women's race, there was only a few people really going with it pretty much early on. So it's just going to be fascinating. You don't anticipate the trials, like what happens. The gun goes off. People talk a big game beforehand, and then you're going to have one rolling hill after another, and your split's, you know, 520, and then it's 505, the next one, and then, you know, all over the place like that. Guys just aren't used to running like that. I think most people aren't going to be prepared for this course. So it's going to be fascinating. Well, it's interesting because I think back to the World Cross Country Championships last year and before the race, I'm like, oh my God, this course, I mean, these those hills were ridiculous. That was the hardest course I've ever seen in my life. The, the uphills were so steep. The downhills were really steep. It was a really, really tough course. I'm like, this is going to have a huge impact on the race. And it really didn't at the top. I mean, all the top guys in the men's race were exactly the guys who thought it would be. It wasn't really a big difference maker. But what it did have an impact on, all the Americans pretty much ran like crap. And they didn't seem ready for that course at all, either the men or the women. And so I am kind of curious. Like My argument about this Atlanta course is, well, the fittest guys are going to win. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But then I look at how poorly all the Americans ran in that race. 
and I think well, maybe for the Americans, a hilly course does make a difference. I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor, but uh, it's an interesting debate to have. Oh, shit, John. John's got me a little nervous now. I forgot about this. One of my locks on the team, Leonard Career, did run World Cross last year. Did not do well. 73rd place. Kepany beat him by 38 spots. Should I be nervous? Now, he did beat Galen Rupp at the 2007th at 17 USA Cross Country. Beat him by one second. 2018. Yeah. I, so let's talk about the other guys. If we're giving Rupp a spot, that leaves two more. And there's Leonard Correa, Jared Ward, Scott Farbel. I mean, you, I think you can make a case for all these guys. Ward and, Correa, Ward and Farbel. Ward was the top American in New York in 2018. Farbel was right behind him. Then they flipped places. Farbel was the top American in Boston last year. Ward was right behind him. I think they're both very, very similar both of them sound like they've had a fit and ready to go in this race. I think they're going to be very close. John, let me let me interrupt here. You, you got Rupp as a lock. I've got two locks. The vapor flies, baby. One, two. What have I been talking about for years? Career and Rupp. One, two. My only question is who finishes first? Talking about for years? You haven't been talking about it for years. I feel like I've been talking about the Vaporfly for years. Maybe it's only been six months. Anyway. All right. Look, and then the case for Korea. Look, he ran 207 last year in Amsterdam, which is super fast. But look, I have this coming out in our, in our men's, you know, the favorites preview that I'm going to be writing for Let's Run. Fobble beat a 205 guy, a guy who ran 205 in Toronto in Boston. When he, sorry. In Boston in 2019, Fobble and Ward both finished ahead of a guy who went on to run 205 in Toronto that fall. They also finished right behind Philharmon Rono, who went on to run 205 in Toronto that fall. I just think, you know, in a championship-style course, in a, in a marathon like this, I don't think it's... I'm not paying that much attention to, like, 207 PR, 207 high in Amsterdam versus 209 low in Boston. I think... Those are fairly similar performances, and okay, yes, you can get going and run fast in Boston, but I just don't think that you know. I'm not going to say, oh, like take strip away his other credentials and just say like this is a guy who ran 207.56 in Amsterdam. What is he going to do in Boston? I don't think he's going to be that far ahead of the top Americans. So I don't know. I, I think it's a really good performance, and he is obviously credentialed at the half marathon. He's run under 60 minutes. He's an Olympian in the 10K. He's done a lot of really impressive stuff at the shorter distances. He's an excellent road racer. He won the Houston half a couple of years ago. Absolutely, he could make the team. But I just think to put him on the team as a lock after running one good marathon, but not like, you know, it's not like a 206 or he's not winning a major like Rupp. I just think that's premature. And John, you said Fobble and Ward are very similar. There's one big difference. Ward's actually been on the Olympic team. And I think that's the sort of cruelty of the sport, right? Like, I would say now, yeah, they're very similar marathoners. But there's no guarantees for this thing. And there's a pretty good chance, you know, Scott Fobble doesn't make this team. I mean, in Ward's defense, he ran a better fall marathon this past fall. Fobble didn't run one, but it sounds like he had some biomechanical issues that he got sorted away. Whereas Ward ran 210.45 in New York. But they're both kind of gritty grinded out consistent guys they're sort of i feel like almost like dez is on the men's side 
Yeah, and, and, and in their last two races against each other, I think it was important to point out they've been very close to each other. I mean, one beat one by a few seconds in New York, and one beat the other one, a different one beat the other one in Boston by a few seconds. But, you know, what, what I think John, come on, John, John, John's not giving you all the information here when he's talking about Leonard's career. Yeah, he only ran um, just about 70 seconds faster than those guys did in Boston. But, John, you didn't mention the fact that he went out in 63 flat. He went out with the big boys and died and still held on to that. I am a little bit worried he wasn't great at cross country at Worlds last year. He wasn't great in college. I think he was his best finish was fourth. That's pretty good. I think he was top four twice. You know, he's a sub-60 guy. I, I think that, I don't know, I just, a sub-60 guy is making this team. Well, Robert, I think the other point you didn't mention, when he ran 207 in Amsterdam, he did that two weeks after running the 10,000 at Worlds. And, you know, assuming he's actually had a proper buildup and he's been 100% focused in on the marathon ahead of Atlanta, the potential for him to run even better and, you know, be even fitter, I think, is, is very high. So he's certainly got a level to go up, which would be pretty scary for Warden Farble. And one thing Walden may not know, because he doesn't read all the articles, he doesn't have to edit. Basically, the way it works is John writes the articles and I edit them. Is Well, John has spoken to Ed Eyestone, Mr. Ward's coach. They're not talking about making this team. They're talking about taking down Rupp. Yeah, I, I don't have the exact quotes here, but you know we'll have this in a separate article. But he said he's not giving Galen the top spot yet. You know, In 2016, they all kind of said, all right, yeah, he, he, he's going to win. But... Ed said, talking with Wardy pre-race, we said we're running for one of... Oh, sorry. That was that was uh, before 2016. But he said, I'm not giving it to him on this one. I think Wardy's going to be a factor if his stomach is fine. He said in Boston when he ran 209.25, his PR, he had some stomach issues in that race. So he wasn't quite at 100% and still ran really well. And then the other thing Eyestone was worried about was the, the surgery. Just He said, coming off Haglund's, Haglund's deformity is the surgery he had to, you know, correct that issue. Uh, Eyestone said, like, look, you got to show you can do it. And he said he had his own Haglund surgery a couple years ago, grind well after his Eyestone's running career. But he said it's really tough coming back to the same level. And he just said, you know, it was hard for him to believe he'd be running better than he was before the surgery. And even coming back to the same level is, is tough. So, I, and then he also mentioned in 2016 when Rupp beat him at the Olympics and the trials, Rupp had the super shoes and Jared Ward did not. And Jared, now Jared Ward has the Saucony Endorphin Pro, which is their answer to it. So he, Eistone was definitely very confident. Obviously, he's a little biased towards Ward, but you know, he's not ceding first place to, to Galen Rupp. I mean, that's a lot of talk, but I wouldn't you guys agree that Galen Rupp's ceiling is much higher than Jared Ward's? Undoubtedly. I, I still think Rupp's going to win. Super shoes or not, I mean, like, Galen Rupp is a, I mean, he's run 206. He's probably, you know, his ceiling's even faster than that. And there's nothing that indicates that Ward or any of these guys are even 207 guys. Uh, maybe on a good course, but... Jared Ward finished sixth in the Olympics. I mean, I think people kind of, we don't give him enough credit for that. Sixth in the Olympics is, is really, really impressive. You're in 211 there, but... John, are you realized that in the Olympics, there's only six people that can beat the Americans? There's only six Kenyans, three Kenyans and three Ethiopians. So, you know, it's not that hard to finish seventh. And how many Kenyans and Ethiopians finished ahead of him, Robert? I'll tell you, it was one Ethiopian and one Kenyan. So he beat two from each country. 
So, so that's even a less impressive performance. If Athletics Kenya and Ethiopia and the Ethiopian Federation weren't so stupid and picked an idiotic team, he might have been ninth or tenth. So, anyways, no, he's a great he's a great marathoner. Let's get to the picks, guys. We've talked about this enough. This is easy to me. The team, easy, easy pick here on the men's side, no hesitation. But I don't want to go first. I don't want John stealing my brilliance. Although, wait, I think John and I have the same picks, so I don't want him to accuse me of stealing his brilliance. We can't all have the same picks. I know what you guys are going to do. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go wait, with... Wait, uh, seriously, are all, four, are all three of us going to leave Scott Fobble of his team? Because I really feel bad. He's going to be so pissed off. <laughs> he'll, he'll just come out and just, you know, at the post-race press conference, he'll be like, let's run.com can suck it because none of them picked me to make the team and here I am. But yeah, my, I think we have the same picks. Korea Ward and Rupp. We're all going those those guys for the team. Indeed, all three of us are going with that. The question: Does anyone know how big Fobble is? I'm I mean, we didn't even around. talk about it. This I, was not wait. this was not preordained. But once you guys said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I got to. I mean, maybe I'll pick someone against them because some of the women's, you know, I was like, oh, Kellen Taylor, Des. It's, it's I usually try to get cute with my picks in the contest sometimes, but it's just hard if you're going with the favorites. Yeah, something else could happen, but you know, it's it's not like I'm getting odds. To, or money when I'm betting this. So when you just look at the paper, those are probably the three guys. There's just a little question mark about Fable. Is everything really going as well? Whereas Ward has been so consistent of late, no hiccups. So it just makes a little sense to put him slightly ahead of Fable. You're just not sure what's going to happen with Fable. I think the question, I mean, Fumble, he just had the best 15-mile steady state of his life a week or two ago. Ben Rosario, his coach, says he's, you know, his training has been really good. He's been running fast. Like, he's, I'm not really worried about his fitness. I just think there's four really good guys and someone has to finish fourth. But I'm not worried. I'm, I think the ones I'm most confident in are Rupp and Ward. And then I think Korea, we don't know anything about how his training's gone. You know he's he's a pretty secretive guy, so we he hasn't been racing since Amsterdam. So I I think the bigger question I feel good about Rupp and I feel good about Ward. I think the bigger question is is Korea versus Fable for for that third spot. Okay, we need to start a Google spreadsheet and we're going to record like what coaches say before the race and actually see if it pans out. Because I think the key is just the coach says, "Oh, they're really fit." And we're like, "Yeah, they're on the team," and we all like hammer that one. Who knows? Like coaches, it seems like they always say good stuff, right? Although I'll try to always read between the lines, like oh, the Kellen Taylor not sleeping thing, and because I think it's very rare someone says like shit didn't go well, and then also as an athlete you have to. It's like a boxer; they never want to retire. As an athlete, you have to convince yourself you're ready to go for this race. So I think coaches can be a little more circumspect, but well, I, I, y'all making some good points here. I, I, I think that I think that I think the one th- thing that's a good point is we don't know anything about careers training. So I'm making these picks, assuming that he's been training. Well, the fact that Scott Simmons won't return our calls makes it a little bit harder. We know that Scott Fobble is in shape because we can see his GPS data of his damn workouts on the Hoke and AZ elite site. So kudos to you guys. We at least know I'm talking, I'm assuming people are actually in shape and had a good training base, but I was going to try to pick career to beat Rupp. I'm going to go for now. Rupp, Courier, Ward. But folks, I have some breaking news. Where's that damn sound effect? Let me get it out. Guys, this is a game changer. Alpha, we, we got a Vaporfly, Alphafly shoe segment coming up right now. It's what you've been waiting for. This is big effing. We have to. Breaking live. We man. have to. 
breaking live. Folks, we have the best staff here at Let's Run. We always praise them. But this time coming through in the clutch is Eric, the web guy. Apparently, his old roommate works at Nike, and he's relaying a public service announcement. This is up on Twitter from at RunPR. This guy named Patrick Reeves on Twitter. Are you running in the Olympic trials on Saturday? Do you want to try the Alpha Fly? Stop by room A313 at the Georgia World Congress Center this week from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and get your free pair of shoes. Free for athletes only, but no obligation to race in them. Holy shit, folks. The Alpha Flies are officially open for anyone for the taking. And it's kind of crazy, though. I wouldn't feel comfortable wearing a pair of shoes that I've never broken in. I mean, I guess you could wear them around Atlanta for a few days. That would make me very nervous. Imagine if you get a blister. But this is crazy. Folks. This is what you should do. I want all 750 people to go down to the Atlantic Thinner, buy the sho- uh, get the shoes for free, try to bankrupt Nike, put them up on eBay right now. You could probably get 500, maybe thousand dollars each. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like they all get in the start line, put gasoline on them, and burn them. There's like a bonfire right before the trial. Oh wow, Joker the Joker playbook from the Dark Knight. Yeah, that'd be pretty crazy. Am I gonna get banned now from the media? Like they'll say I'm advocating violence. Wow. But I, I I can't believe this. Salazar wouldn't stand for this. Poor Alberto Salazar. I would say he must be rolling over in his grave. He's not actually dead, though. He's alive. He's just banned from the sport. But Nike has turned his back on its own athletes. It's Galen Rupp's advantage. No, Robert, what are you talking about? The fact that they're giving these to athletes to run, ha- never having worn them again, it's not a smart thing to wear a shoe you've never worn before. And also, the interesting tidbit is, two Nike athletes who have tried the shoe, Chris Derrick and Aaron B- Andrew Bumble, said they don't, they probably, they told Jonathan, they may not race in it. They like the old shoe better. So that means, one, either this shoe isn't as good. What if this was a genius ploy by Nike to get people to wear it and it's not as good as the other shoe and it, like sabotage everybody? Or two, maybe this is the type of shoe, and this is the thing some people said, this is unfair, the new shoe technology, because some people are super responder to shoes and some aren't. So, like, what if just Derek and Bumble aren't responders? Other people are. But just to, like, drop a shoe a day before, like, come on. Nike didn't do this at the... What's, are they trying to, like, obscure the fact of what happened at the last Olympics? When their shoe, no one even knew it existed. They had technology oh boy, other people here we go didn't have... And they kept it secret. That was not in fair play. And Spencer Nell of Adidas told me that way back in the day, Adidas, I think there was like a Jeremy Warner spike or something. And they kind of did the same thing Nike did here. It's like it was made available to people at the Olympics. I don't know if people took them up on it, but at least they're 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 sort of trying to make it available. But this might be a, this no. is probably a marketing thing. No. Put it on well, the hands of all these unsponsored athletes and get them out there. Like so this is just marketing and we're talking about them the whole time. Let's talk about the motivation here. What do we think the motivation on Nike is? Do you think that they're worried about the public criticism of, oh, this is unfair, other athletes don't have that, so now they can act like, oh, yeah, the other athletes are going to have it, like Jared Ward is just going to put on a rival brand shoes, never having worn them and racing them? Or do you think that's part of it? Or is it mainly, let's just get 90% of, of the C team, and I, you know, or excuse me, the JV Olympic trials qualifiers, which was my number one goal in running. So I'm not mocking them, but you know, these people have no shot of the team, but it'd be very good marketing if, if 80, if the back 80% of the field are all in them. What do you think their motivation is by making this announcement just a few days before the race? I think it's both. They, you know, it's a great marketing ploy. Obviously, if you get all these people signing up and taking a free pair of shoes, you know, what if you, if you're running in the trials, why wouldn't you take a free pair of shoes from them? Even if you don't plan on racing in them. And then, yeah, they can go back and say, like, okay, you criticized us for not making our shoes available to all. 
okay, we went to the Olympic trials and we literally offered everyone in that race a free pair of shoes for that race. So, the, you know, it's a, I think it's brilliant strategy from Nike. Right. So both things are actually marketing, trying to improve their image. Nike's they're the best marketers in the world. This is genius. And the, the fairness thing to all, that won't be a factor for the Olympics because the new rule says the shoes have to be in the market for four months and available to all. So it's just for this trials that they're sort of, that they could argue, that people could say, oh, there's an unfair shoe. But now the factor, the shoe issue has moved on to do all the shoe companies have shoes that are sort of on the same level playing field? And I don't think the science will come out in that for a while. We're now having to worry what shoes people have on their feet. Okay, guys, official top three in order, please. I am going to go Rupp, Courier, Ward. And then before, after my predictions, folks, I'm going to reward the loyal listeners for listening to the very end of this podcast. You're going to hear something from me. It's going to blow your mind. All right. Uh, Rupp, Ward, Courier, in that order. And uh, other breaking news, Wild Athletics has just ratified... Bridget Cosguy's marathon world record. So there's a lot of hullabaloo that that record wasn't getting ratified. Well, it has been ratified now. Wait, what? There was hullabaloo that the record wasn't get ratified. What are you talking about? I mean, it was set in October and world records that have been set since then. David Monty, I feel like, is tweeting out every other week that Bridget Cosguy's world record wasn't ratified. So now it's ratified. I didn't know anyone was even thinking it wouldn't get ratified. They've ratified every record set with these shoes. So I think as expected. Okay, I'm going to need some better picks than this. I mean, I just can't go Rupp, Career, Ward. Those are my picks for now. But check out the Let's Run.com Running Warehouse Prediction Contest. I think we should have to post our final picks where we have, you pick your top five in the contest. My picks, I will change a pick before then. I think I think I have to can't just go total chalk because you don't win the contest that way anyway you need some upsets well you know that in the contest you can only pick three people for the top three right you can't pick four or five funny john funny well he can actually change his picks so we got to make sure he publicly posts them okay guys that about does it for the show next week we're going to have so much trial stuff to talk about it's going to be amazing it's going to be exciting weekend everyone enjoy the trials enjoy listening to yours truly on the ivy league broadcast on ESPN plus but next week's show will also include I think a shocking conversation I am predicting a massive story will break between now and next week Jonathan Weldon if that's all I can say they didn't even want me to say that but folks I want you to know you're in on the inside story here on let's run.com thank you Hoka for a wonderful month enjoy the trials